0: Hello, and welcome to a new episode Tuesday edition of the Couch Potato Podcast. On this week's episode, I'm joined by producer Adam and first-time guest of the show, Stephen, to talk about 2001's Ocean's Eleven. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in this week, and if uh, you enjoy what you hear, be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, Google, or wherever you get podcasts. And if you listen to us on Apple... Please be sure to leave us a five star review if you like what you hear. If you don't like what you hear, just forget you even listen to us. So, without further ado, here's Ocean's Eleven.
1: Want to knock over a casino? Three casinos? You got to be nuts. Exactly. 150 million. Smash and grab job, huh? Slightly more complicated than that. Oh. Yeah. Check the batteries. It'll be nice working with proper villains again. You're either in or you're out. Right now. Out. Rated PG-13 starts this Friday.
0: Alright, welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. Uh, I am Russ. Uh, unfortunately, Lucas will not be joining us this evening. Uh, he hasn't seen the movie that we were doing, which is a fucking travesty in itself. But... <clears throat> you'll see. We'll save that for another time. Um, I am joined, however, by, uh, first off, our producer, Adam. Adam, how you doing, my friend?
2: Doing great, Russ. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing well. Uh, had a, an awesome weekend. Went to the Ohio State-Michigan game. Uh, the game didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to, and I froze my ass off, but it was an awesome time nonetheless. That's good. Adam, Thanksgiving went well?
2: Yes, Thanksgiving went really well. It was a really relaxing Thanksgiving for once, so we didn't really have to stress out about fights with family or anything like that it was just eating food and having a good time
0: plus i think for you and i a first time in a long time we haven't had to deal with the black friday scourge
2: yes that is another good thing too i actually slept in on black friday
0: you know what so did i which for me was seven o'clock no six
2: forty
0: <laughs> We are also joined by a brand new uh, guest, a uh, brand new uh, contributor to the Couch Potato Podcast. I don't know if this he'll be back after this. I don't know if his family will shun him for being part of such a train wreck. But... They've already shunned me. Okay, well, hey, cool. <laughs> we can't add any more fuel to the fire. Uh, welcome, Stephen, to the show. Stephen, how are you doing, man?
1: I'm good, man. Thank you. Uh, we super honored to, that you asked me to be here, and I'm, I'm excited to join. Yeah, I'm doing great.
0: Okay, well, first off, you don't have to give us the Academy Award speech. Like, no one is really honored to be on the show. It's just like, yeah, I'll go on there with him, help him out a little bit.
1: I'm, yeah, I'm glad you asked me.
0: Okay, cool. Well, we're glad to have you here, man. We've, uh, the movie we're doing tonight, I know you and I, it's one of our all time favorites. You and I quote this movie pretty much every time we see one another. Am I wrong?
1: No, man. I, uh, I, I think it's funny. It's like one of the movies where I, Intentionally learn the dialogue so that just because of, of you know you and I, you know, quoting it all the time. Yeah,
0: we we, we hop on IMD quite a bit just to refresh our yeah. memories. We're doing Ocean's Eleven today, not not the nineteen sixty version. We'll get into that in a minute, but the one that was uh, released in two thousand one. I didn't know this, but this is getting ready to celebrate a twenty year anniversary uh, next week. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, twenty years. Oh man, um, Adam. As we normally try to, should we send it something like a the wine or somebody a, an edible arrangement to celebrate the occasion?
1: Yeah, we should. Okay, we'll send it to you know because he's always he's always eating,
0: he, eating
1: in this. Yeah, he's eating on set. So,
0: um, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe this movie came out twenty years ago. It just seems like it was yesterday.
1: Yeah, yeah, I you know what one of the things I think about Russ is I remember, uh, hanging out with you. I, we were probably both working at the video store or something. So it was, I just remember it was late, um, smoking cigarettes, hanging out. And I remember specifically hanging out with you, but also looking up how to dress like Russ from Ocean's 11.
0: Oh,
1: <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Like, I, I was just so enamored by, uh, that that sense of style and yeah, yeah, the wardrobe in that movie was amazing uh, for those characters.
0: Yeah, like I'm not really a suit guy, but if I could pull off Clooney in this, like I would totally, I'd, I would be wearing a suit every day. I would even do one for this show right now. <laughs> but instead, it looks like I, like I would look like someone just pulled the suit off of like I got it at a Goodwill. Like, okay, this is close enough.
1: They, they think you're, oh, is there are you at a wedding or something? What event are you dressed up for? Because I can't imagine you doing it for any of
0: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is this like a distant family uh, member? Because uh, if it was like your brother, we would at least hope you would dress up a little bit better than what you're dressed right now. <laughs> um, well, Steve and I will begin with you. What was, uh, when was the first time you seen this?
1: Um, gosh. I, Russ, I want to say I saw it with you. But I can't remember. I do remember seeing it in the movie theater. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it was with you, but I I remember seeing it when during its theatrical run.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to. I know I seen it when it. Like I seen it opening weekend. I just don't remember who I went with. Yeah, I don't know if that's a lot of vitamins that I used to take back in the day. That's fogging my memory a little bit, but
1: no. I in fact I remember seeing it. With, I know it was with you because I'm I'm remembering talking about it.
0: Yeah, well, I know back back uh, during this time too. It's when uh, I would go to the movies and I would see the same movie two or three times. So yeah. I thought it was awesome. So that's true. Um, Adam, that's true. when was the first time you seen Ocean's
2: Eleven? Oh, man, I forget when the first time I saw it was. Uh, I'm sure I saw it possibly in theaters. Um, but I, I the biggest memory that sticks out for me was getting it from either Hollywood video or Blockbuster video and watching it at home. I remember liking it a lot more then. I don't know why, but that's just the the memory that sticks out for me. And then I also remember, like, going to uh, Suncoast when the DVD came out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was, Suncoast was at the, uh, the mall here in town. Uh-huh. And the one that's uh, you know fifteen minutes away, so that puts a date on it there. So that those are my two big going to see this movie.
0: Well, I, yeah, back uh, back then we never had a Best Buy, so like you had to get your movies from Suncoast if you wanted them the first day. Because I know like Walmart, Meyer never really carried that. Chick, so I used to pre-order, and I talk about it a little bit in the uh, the Gladiator episode, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I used to have pre-order, like, anything I thought was remotely good. When well, I seen the movie theater, like, yep, I'm going to pre-order that from Suncoast. So I'd go down, plunk my five bucks down. Like, yes, I like to pre-order Perfect Storm. That's $5 I can't get back, but. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, yeah, Stephen said, yeah, I seen this opening weekend in the theaters, and I think I I know i seen it at least once more, maybe twice, just because I, like, I don't know. There's not too many movies that come out that were like, it's just the epitome of cool. And this was it. And like Steven was saying that, yeah, he wanted to dress like Brad Pitt. Like I just wanted to carry myself like Clooney. Like, I just wish Mm -hmm. I could be just 25% as suave as he was in this. So I think that's why I went not seen it. And that, and I don't know, it's always been a dream of mine to pull off a big heist too. Not that I would do that. People listening, I would never (laughs) pull off a heist.
2: Just eliminate you as a suspect.
0: Yeah, just eliminate <laughs> me right off the bat.
1: Um, it's funny you watch these heist movies and you think, man, if these guys applied that to just a regular job, they'd they'd be, you know, like captains of industry. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's that's the whole point, though. Is I just don't think they want to. <laughs> I just I want one big payoff and then that's it. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: um. Did uh, either one of you guys see the the original Ocean's Eleven?
1: I did once. Uh, you know. A long time ago, like, I mean, it's
2: probably close to 15 years ago. Yeah. About the same time for me.
0: That movie fucking stinks.
1: Yeah, it
2: does. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's, it's not good. I The only thing I remember, like, I can tell, like, man, it must have just been the fact that, because that, was that their f- first film?
0: The Rat Pack?
1: Uh, yeah. I think
0: Together, yeah.
1: Together, so I, you could tell it was just, like, they know it's awful, but people just care that they're those they're all in the same you know in scenes together. That's all they cared yeah. about. Yeah,
0: yeah. They just have those weird musical numbers, <laughs> and like a big chunk of it just drags and just doesn't really make much sense. I don't think I even finished it.
2: It's it's bad. It's a bad movie. Uh,
0: now, see, like this is an example because uh, I've always felt that like remakes should only be done if the movie is, like, either it's, like, really outdated special effects or oh. it's something, like, where the story is really good, but they just didn't pull off very well. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a yeah. prime example of, like, when you should remake a movie. Because, like, the... I got, Wheelhouse, for me, movie-wise, like, I love heist movies. Some of my favorite of the in movies. And this is a really cool premise to knock off a casino. You don't see that, really, in movies at all. So, like, yeah, the premise is awesome, just, like, Guys, stick to singing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would venture to say that uh, this particular Ocean's Eleven, not the not the original, but this one is the number one ice movie for me. Well,
0: hey, I'm actually. I'm going to bring that up in just a minute. Okay, so we are getting to that. Um, this movie did spawn three sequels: Ocean's Twelve, Thirteen, and Ocean's Eight. Uh, thoughts on any of those, Steven, I'll start with you.
1: Um. I I like them I like them for uh, I, well, let me think here like I I, re- I enjoyed both of them and I think that they knew it was probably real a real challenge to kind of recreate the magic of that first one mm-hmm. and so I I I, uh, I guess I'll say this i, I they were okay to me. Both the the second and and uh, third
0: one. Did you ever see Oceans Eight the the female one with uh, Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett?
1: Yeah. Yep. I saw that one. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed it. It was okay. <laughs> yeah. It was a, It was one of those I watched it on a flight. Um, it was like between that and another movie, and I was like, damn, I kind of wish I watched the other movie instead. But you was know, it I, Anaconda? I, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think it was it might
0: have been that it was Stuart little, maybe okay, I would have chosen anaconda too I like <laughs> adam uh i know I think you and I have discussed the ocean sequels before, uh but just to get it on record, uh your thoughts on them
2: so the, the second one um oceans twelve um you know add another number to it, add another person, you know, make sell it a little bit more uh it's the European version, you know uh. I liked it. I liked it for what it was. It was kind of a tone change, too, from, you know, the, um, the Vegas kind of fast-paced to the the Cat Burglar-esque uh, Interpol kind of thing. Uh, Ocean's 13, I think, was a return to formula, <laughs> just trying mm-hmm. to recapture the magic of the first one. So it was only, like, you know, that that kind of movie is just meh for me, you know? Like, it, I didn't like the premise behind it at all like um you know doing another heist is gonna make elliot Gould feel better because he's sick like
0: <laughs> no i know if you guys did one for me i'd instantly feel much better like oh man the guy's <laughs> robbed a casino for me that's fucking awesome <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> but yeah no the the premise of the movie for me and the sequels were um were kind of contrived I think and you know they were they were trying to do a tone change in the second one and then a return to formula in the third one the first one has the charm of uh being that suave cool heist movie and they were I think they were just trying to recapture that and just mm. missed the mark yeah. I like Ocean. them I like them for what they are mm-hmm. uh, I never saw Ocean's Eight just cuz uh, I was um I just wasn't pulled in by it. I'm sorry. I, I don't like the fact that they, I, I mean, I guess they acknowledge the others, but like they just kind of glossed over the fact that, you know, this is a new movie, new heist, you know. Mm.
0: Um, I know, like I used to hate Oceans 12, fucking hated it for years. I watched it again about a year, a year and a half ago, because I went through work. I just like, you know what? Fuck, I'm gonna watch the Oceans movies. And I actually kind of <laughs> dug it. Now, I actually I'm a fan. I don't like it nearly as much as the first one, and I don't I wouldn't put it amongst like the great um heist movies of all time, but I think mm-hmm. what makes Ocean's 11 so awesome is the fact that like you kind of know right from the get-go that these guys are going to pull this off. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a formula like you know they're going to pull it off, you know at the end, everything's going to kind of wrap up to tight little bow, but the fact that they pull it off so effortlessly and like everybody it looks like they're just to me, like I think, what makes this movie work is the fact that I don't buy Clooney is playing Danny Ocean. It's like, oh, George Clooney is rounding up a bunch of his Hollywood pals. You're gonna rob some casinos. But I, I think what I really liked about Ocean's Twelve is the fact that like they fail at every turn. Like they're just getting beat, and it's kind of just a refreshing take on it. You know? Yeah. Although I am still irked and baffled by that whole uh, Vincent Cassell dance routine. was trying to avoid the lasers Yeah, and they had that music playing. It just, I don't just, uh.
1: the song is really cool, but yeah, I know, I know I've,
0: I've seen, did you dance that at your wedding?
2: <laughs>
0: I think I remember that song playing and you doing something and on the dance floor. Yeah.
2: There's and everything. That would have been cool.
0: Yeah, it was, it was like it, they spared no expense. <laughs> so really they like, it was, it was like Cirque du Soleil. Um, yeah
1: yeah but i i always laughed i you know i uh visually i thought it would look really cool right but from like the practicality of it you're like okay like kind of like it's first of all nice of them to make the lasers visible mm-hmm. you know the,
0: yeah. so. well of course what else is he going to like dance to it's almost like the lasers yeah. were like when you take dance yeah. classes like okay step here to do this move step here step here's like okay just follow the lasers yeah. <laughs> um, I know thirteen I thought was just okay. Like it just kind of was like a rehash of the first one. Yeah. And then um eight wasn't uh, bad. I mean, I think we went seen that uh my uh wife and I went seen at the movie theaters just to go see a movie and it was playing it was like, Oh, you know what the hell and I thought it was decent. I don't think I would revisit it again anytime soon, but it was decent.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, a couple times during the when I watched it, you know, because they referenced characters from, um, you know, from the original Oceans uh, movie characters. But you know, I'm wondering if like, man, I wonder if they're going to have like a bigger part in this. And when you know, not that I thought that they were there'd be big cameos or anything like that. But it almost seemed like they were just kind of, like, name-mentioning just to remind you that, hey, this is part of this universe, and, mm. you know, and almost unnecessarily, um, which I didn't like. Uh, I, I thought that felt kind of forced. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, to me, I, like, once I've kind of, under like, understood that, uh, I think that emotionally, like, it, I just disconnected. It disconnected for me a lot, and I think maybe that's why I felt the way I felt about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And I know, like, it just doesn't come off as, like, it kind of comes off as a standard heist movie. There's really not that cool vibe to it that the other ones had. Even, like, thir- 12, 13, they're not as good, but they still have, like, a really cool vibe. And you can kind of tell everybody's just having a blast doing it. You don't really get that with Ocean's 8.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Now that uh, you mention it, though, uh, Adam, I'll begin with you since you brought it up. Uh, where would you put... Oceans 11. If you had a Mount Rushmore of heist movies,
2: that's number one.
0: Number one, all right. That's number one. what else would be on your Mount Rushmore before we get into why Oceans oh. would be number one?
2: Man, um, let's see here, drawing a blank on heist movies now that you put me on the spot, though. I know you try to prepare me for this, but I, I don't have, uh, I don't. um. No, Hurricane Heist would not be on the list at all.
0: <laughs> well, just don't bother answering the fucking question. Then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just, I, there's a bunch of heist movies that are kind of ridiculous like Hurricane Heist. And I, I feel like uh, Ocean's Eleven sets a really high precedent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it deserves to be number one.
0: Um, Steven, do you have a Mount Rushmore heist movies? Would Ocean's Eleven be on that?
2: So yeah,
1: I mean I I like Adam I think my uh, Oceans is would probably would be my number one. Uh like it's probably my my top my favorite heist movie. Um I would say if I my other second one would probably be The Italian Job.
0: The Michael oh, Caine yeah. or the uh, Mark Wahlberg Edward Norton John one.
1: Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, you know, I honestly I don't remember seeing I I know I I've seen it but it's been so long. I honestly don't remember. The old Italian job. Um yeah, so the the Mark Wahlberg one, I really, really enjoyed that. Um and then the, another uh solid burden movie, um what is it? The with oh gosh, I forgot the name of it now. Uh about the the uh shoot, Daniel Craig is in it. I, oh I,
0: uh Craig, Logan Lucky. Logan,
2: Logan Lucky, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that one's oh, really yeah. good too.
2: That, that one's my second favorite. i got to put that as my second favorite. Yeah, And then,
1: you know, I guess it's not really a heist movie. I guess it. Yeah, it's, a, I guess it's not really a heist movie. I was thinking, uh, the, the, I guess the other one, I always consider it, I guess, maybe a heist movie, although not in that the sense of, like, Oceans is Training Day, right? But I guess it's not really a heist. I guess it's, like, a single person. They have
0: a, a heist bad. in that, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I guess it's not like it's more, uh, yeah, not like a team of people, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
0: Training Day. We also did that episode. You can listen to that on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast too. Thanks for the cheap plug. <laughs> Logan,
2: luck. <laughs> Logan Lucky is yeah. great. I love that driver in that. I just. Oh really, yeah, Logan Lucky's
0: awesome. It's a really good one.
1: Good thing. I forgot the name of it, video. A... Uh,
0: I know for me, Oceans would be number one, uh, just because it has all the elements of heist movies. I really like putting a team together. They go over the plan. You see them put the plan in place. Like, they practice, they kind of fuck it up, but yet you still, like, there's, like, a big, like, wrench in the plans. Somehow they still come through and they pull off the heist. Plus, like, bad you know. What's that? <laughs> there's bad British accent. Oh, oh we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> number two would be Heat with De Niro and Pacino.
2: Oh,
1: shoot, yeah. Uh,
0: number right. three would be The Town with Ben Affleck. And okay. then number four, I don't know. It's kind of a toss-up. I can. I've always considered Inception a heist movie, although it's not a standard. It's not they're stealing money. Yeah,
2: like they're, they're stealing, like, stealing information. Yeah. Not the
1: of a heist, but yeah, yeah. No, I follows well, that same. Um,
0: Inception's really good. Uh, I also like The Inside Man with Denzel Washington, yeah. Clive Owen. That one's really good. Uh... The Italian job's really good, too. I would probably put Inception just because it's a completely different spin on the heist movie. You're still putting a team together, just you're doing, stealing something different. So Inception would be my number four.
2: You you have a certain affinity for uh, Christopher Nolan, too.
0: I do. I am a huge Chris Nolan fanboy, so anytime I can make a reference to him on any of our programming, I'm going to do it. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah, uh, that's... Pretty much all I really <clears throat> had to talk about, unless you guys want to throw uh, any anything out there before we get into the categories.
2: I think we can get into the categories. Yeah, do
0: that. All right. Uh, first off, we'll do the tale of the tape. Uh, this movie was released on December the 7th, 2001, getting ready to celebrate its 20-year anniversary. movie stars George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, Julia Roberts, Don Cheadle, and Andy Garcia amongst basically... Most of the people in this movie have headlined a movie a time or two. Directed by Steven Soderbergh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 83% from critics and 80 from audiences, which I find to be a little low. I don't know anybody that doesn't like this movie, except for maybe Lucas, who hasn't seen it yet. But
2: When he sees it, it'll be in his top heist movies. Yeah, or all like.
0: right. We're just we're gonna wrap this thing up at the end where we implore him to watch this movie. I think I'm we'll gonna put this on all the socials all week. We're like, Lucas, just watch the fucking movie.
2: Hashtag Lucas, watch the movie.
0: There we go. That hashtag has worked for us before. <laughs> um, box office was uh, 450 million dollars on an 85 million dollar budget. It didn't win any awards, and you can stream this on HBO Max, which I will not take a shot at Paramount Plus this week because it's a holidays
1: I'd be you know Russ I don't know if you looked at this but I'm looking at that cast again that's a uh, looking at one two at least four names on there that at that time would have been really expensive
0: oh yeah, yeah. um I got that in my research corner
1: oh okay okay, okay cool, cool
0: yeah um yeah the uh William Somerset research corner uh first off uh Bruce Willis was cast as Danny Ocean, but had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts. Which, at this point, I really liked Bruce Willis. Still, this is probably towards the tail end of him actually giving a shit about his career, and he wasn't taking movies just to, for a paycheck. Yeah, because Let's be real. Bruce Willis at this point is taking the Nicholas Cage route to acting. He just like, yeah, you want me to be in this movie? How much does it pay? Cool, I'll be there.
1: Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. I think he's got his list of demands for on set. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's gone from like making like two big movies a year to where he's like in seven like pieces of shit a year. <laughs> Seen some movie where he was like the second Bill in some uh with a movie with uh Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> it's like, come on, dude, you're fucking John McClane and Die Hard.
1: You know you you're, can say no. He's yeah, no. I'd just say no, no thanks. I don't want that. One.
0: It's like, how much is enough? I mean, do you really need that much money? Have some fucking integrity, dude. Um, the role of Linus Caldwell was meant to be played by Mark Wahlberg. He turned it down to be in Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes remake. Job well uh, done, Mark Wahlberg. Oh
1: God! Oh man. Here is the thing, though. Like, I at the time. I could see, like, if he's got these two scripts, I, yeah. can, I, I can see the the rationale behind the decision.
0: Oh, I can I totally just, see it. Like, okay, I could be the star of a, an iconic uh, remake done by Tim Burton, who was a big yeah. director, or I could be, yeah. like, the third or fourth lead in a George Clooney heist yeah. movie that may or may not be.
1: Yeah. So, like, I think everything pointed to he made the right choice, <laughs> right? Like, when you look yeah. at... But it's but, just, if this is the one outlier instance where you should have gone with your heart, you know, maybe, or yeah. whatever. I don't know.
2: His decision is the answer to I'll take hindsight as <laughs> 2020 for yeah, $1,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's probably got to be one that's like, holy shit, did not see that. Did not see that. <laughs>
0: I would have liked to have seen him play Linus in the same style that he plays Dignum in The Departed.
2: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> like what uh, the scene in this where uh, they, they Rusty asked Danny how he got red flagged By uh, the gaming commission They just watched like, Mark Wahlberg fly into a fucking tire like Quit bullshitting <laughs> I see you talking to your fucking ex-wife You fucked the whole thing
2: up
1: you know, that would have been interesting to see um, see him assuming he would have played the character the same way, kind of, unex- you know, unexperienced, um, you know, not, not a lot of, uh, what I'll what say, yeah, I, I would just say unexperienced, as unexperienced as his character is, and you can see that in his mannerisms and things like that, it had been interesting to see him play that if, if he played it the same way.
0: Now... I actually didn't think it was a bad choice, but I watched the movie right before we came on, and the sequence where uh, Linus has to pretend to be part of the Nevada Gaming Commission to get the codes from Benedict, I can't really? see Mark Wahlberg doing that as well as Matt Damon.
1: Yeah. yeah. And right yep, there's yeah. like, okay, they,
0: they made the right call getting Matt Damon for this.
1: Yeah, now that, you, now, now that you've mentioned that, I am thinking, yeah, that would have been weird. Even, the, yeah, especially with the scene with Bernie Mac, right? Because he's so, one of the th- reasons that scene worked so well is because I think, I, like, in that moment, Bernie Mac could just kind of seems so much more aggressive.
0: Yeah, than Bernie's did. being very alpha, and then, like, the fact that Matt Damon's, like, kind of cowering to that, whereas, yeah. I mean, we know Mark Wahlberg is, like, kind of a, a movie tough guy. I can't really right. see him, like, being afraid of Bernie Mac.
1: Mhm.
0: And plus if you believe uh if you have heard some of the stories about Mark Wahlberg back in his younger days may have not turned out so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some stuff may have been said that you can't take back. Yeah. <laughs> um Luke and Owen Wilson were offered the role of the Malloy brothers and Danny Glover was offered the role of Frank Catton, but all three turned down roles to be in Wes Anderson's The Royal Tenenbaums.
2: Mhm. Okay, that'd have been interesting.
0: Hmm. Um, I might get into that here in a minute about uh, Luke and Owen Wilson.
1: Yeah, yeah you know what's weird is I feel like that would have been I. Uh, what I want to say? I feel like their relationship, at least at that time, Luke and Owen Wilson's relation, their presence on screen together, would have been stronger than the characters. Mm-hmm. If, if what I'm saying makes sense, right? Like, I, to me, I just feel like it would almost, like, have a... Like, Luke and Owen Wilson would have almost been, I guess, too big for those roles. I, at least I don't... I well, this so.
0: is pre-old uh, school for Luke and pre-Wedding Crashers for uh, oh, yeah, Owen, right. too, so...
1: Yeah, you're right.
0: So, I know they were just still kind of in the yeah. Wes Anderson mold, like, doing stuff with him, so they weren't, like, big movie stars yet. Well, I don't think Luke ever became a huge movie star. Owen was for, like, a little bit. Um, Don Cheadle wanted his name above the uh, title, like, Pitt, Clooney, and Damon, but when uh, producers refused his request, he had his name taken from the removed from the credits altogether. So that's why, if you see the movie, you'll see Don Cheadle's name. It's because he just had him taken off because he felt he should have been in the same, uh, above the title with, uh, you know, Clooney and Pitt. So, I don't... Oh. I don't um, know about all so, that.
1: Sorry, Don Cheadle. They man. were. It was Bill. They had who? Clooney, Pitt, and um, they it, probably shared billing with uh, Julie Roberts, right? So they. Yeah, the,
0: I think above the title, it's uh, Clooney, Pitt, Roberts, and Damon, and then everybody else is below it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Interesting.
0: Which I mean. Julia Roberts for sure. Cause he, she had just come off of Aaron Brockovich. She was an Academy award winner. She was like making $20 million a movie. She was like the preeminent actress in Hollywood. And then like, of course Clooney and Pitt are like huge movie stars at the time. And I think Matt Dame was a pretty renowned name. Yeah. Cause he had done good will hunting. Yeah. He was a pretty big name at the, at this time too. So I don't know. Like to me, that's just like asking like, uh, Don Cheadle is almost like I should be above Avenger the credits for Avengers Endgame like Robert yeah. Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, like, no, you shouldn't.
1: Yeah, because I'm thinking what did, what had what big I mean he was in the first thing I remember seeing him in was colors. Now I'm sure he's been in other oh, films yeah. before. But...
0: <clears throat> he's I a great colors. supporting, like he's done a lot of supporting stuff, but like he hasn't been like he's not a big enough name to be above the the title yeah. of the movie.
1: Interesting request. Yeah. And it's, it almost makes me wonder, like, if that was, like, like a real request or, you know, that's weird. Like, I, famous people are weird. They I are. Feel...
0: We have done <laughs> like, as the amount, because I think this will be episode 46 or 47, and the more research I dig into, like, some of these people in the movies, yeah, you find out there's some weird fucking shit.
1: Like, you're just like, yeah, like, I don't know... What human, like what you expectation you have for that, but that's crazy, right? Oh. Uh,
0: the last one I have is uh, Steven Soderbergh wanted to shoot the movie in black and white, and Warner Brothers agreed to his request, but he had to reduce the film's budget, which he already got reduced once by getting everybody to take a lower salary to get the cast that they got. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah, they decided to shoot it in color,
1: uh-huh.
0: which I'm
2: um- I'm glad they did that. Yeah, I'm I'm glad they did that too. I mean, I would have been cool to have a black and white version, but I think color does the film well.
0: Mhm. Yeah, especially like I don't think you could shoot a, ve- a movie in Vegas and it not be in color. Yeah. yeah. Because that's it's like funny. Vegas is a character in itself in this movie, and the fact that you're just you're taking away what makes it unique, I just right. bad call. And I think
2: Black and white in modern movies make the film feel more noir and I don't think that fits this movie well either.
0: No, it it's this is like a, a lighthearted like this would be considered a caper. Yeah. It's not well, like I grittier.
2: If,
1: if the if shot in black and white if like if you just take the Ocean's 11 we got you know, desaturate it if that's what he had in mind or if it was going to be shot in black and white, if that would have changed the storytelling and cinematography right. and mm-hmm. things like that to where it would have almost changed, um, you know, the, the tone of the story, makes me wonder. Because right. now I'm thinking, i like, man, I just imagine you take Ocean's Eleven and just take the color away. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, well, what's the point of that? Right? right. I don't feel like, oh, wow, it really adds to it you know mm-hmm. maybe well, maybe i should try that but
0: i know like i'm usually like when it comes to these like studio like artist disputes i'll usually side with the artist because it, at the end of the day all the studio is contributing is money to make their vision come to life this is one of those right. rare cases like yeah i think the studio made the right call yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. all right um so yeah
1: oh sorry guys i was gonna say i wondered uh, the last let's say when you're researching the cast did, did they take um take pay cuts or what they get um percentages instead or do they just take no i think
0: they just cuts. uh worked at a reduced salary just to make the thing happen just,
1: uh, oh nice because yeah. i
0: think at the time uh there's actually i don't know if either one of you have uh in your research the julia roberts tidbit
2: oh uh didn't she only take like a certain amount like it was something stupid low because uh, she wanted to work with the director right yeah um
0: and uh, George Clooney had actually sent her a copy of the script. Is mm-hmm. at the time Julia Roberts was making twenty million dollars a movie, which mm-hmm. is absurd money back in two thousand two thousand and one. But you know, just think about how much that is in today's dollars. Uh, George Clooney sends her the a copy of the script with a twenty dollar bill inside of it, and says in a little note, "I heard you make twenty a picture now."
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I remember reading about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that some of it had to do with uh, working with Steven Soderbergh, too. I mean, he was a pretty – well, hell, he uh, – this was his follow-up to Aaron Brockovich and Traffic, which he got mm-hmm. he got the old double Oscar noms for that, too. So, he was a pretty in-demand guy at the time. And then I'm sure that had a lot to do. Like, yeah, I'll work for a little bit less to work with him. Yeah. Um, do you, either one of you, like, Adam, I'll start with you. Do you have, uh, anything you want to add to the William Somerset Research Corner?
2: Uh, I do. Uh, I got a couple of different, uh, fun facts here. Uh, not, uh, not casting facts or anything. Um, but, uh, I have a couple of, uh, like goofs from the movie, that sort of thing. Um, you know, and, uh, uh a couple of different cool, um, Easter eggs and nods to different things. Um, Like when uh, they're uh, uh, doing the poker lesson at the beginning and, uh, you know, Rusty joins to find Danny uh, talking to um, the students. Um, We uh, hear Danny telling them that it must be hard making the leap from TV to movies because they're all actors. Mm -hmm. Uh, He actually was one of the ones that went from TV to movie after he left ER.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think him and Tim Allen were like the two big – like, when you think of, like, actors that leave a television show to become big movie stars, I think Clooney and Tim Allen are the two that, to me, first come to mind.
2: Yeah, there, is, there are some of the biggest ones in the 90s to do it, too. And I know, um, like, Bruce Willis was one of those ones that did it, too, because he was really big on Moonlighting, and he jumped oh, to yeah. the film. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and he was actually going to be in this movie, too, so. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, I got a couple of other ones here that are just, uh, you know, goofs and everything like, uh, when, uh, they were talking about, um, uh, taking the money out and just carrying it out and walking out with it. Um, basically, uh, if, and this is a really nerdy fact too, if you had all of that money, um, <laughs> and $1 million dollars is 22 pounds and multiply that by 163, the total weight from the heist would be 3,586 pounds, and you had to divide that by 11 con men. So if they each carried an equal amount, they would be carrying out 326 pounds of money.
0: <laughs> well, not to mention the fact that, like, somebody's going to have to carry extra because there's no fucking way Saul's carrying that out.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so, yeah, the way that they carried the money out is just Yeah, no, there was no way that 11 people could carry out that money just Mm -hmm. by carrying it out. (laughs) Um, And uh, uh, they talk about the cut that they each get, too. Um, I think uh, the money on hand was uh, a little over $163 million on a fight night. Um, They actually have um, that written down on a piece of paper that's handed to Andy Garcia. And uh, they, uh, you know, you cut that, uh, divided by 11 people. It's about, um, $14 million. Um, and even at the end of the movie, uh, Danny Ocean talks to Rusty and he's like, uh, $13 million and you drive this piece of shit. Um, and, uh, it looks like, uh, that, um, like if you just divide that evenly and, uh, talk about how much it would be to, um, set up the heist, Elliot Gould actually put up $20 million to finance the job, so he actually operated at a loss. <laughs> so what he a... didn't make any money at all.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure getting revenge on Terry Benedict was worth the money by itself.
2: Right. Um, and then uh, I also had that in nearly every scene that Rusty is in, and he's eating something. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to Brad Pitt, this is because the whole gang, his character in particular, would be so busy that uh, they'd be rarely able to eat. Uh, so he just decided that Rusty would be eating all the time. And he um, uh, first mentioned it after um, he was eating after working all day without a break. And um, he was really hungry. And he thought it would look good for the character uh, as well since, you know, since he's working all the time without being able to eat. So, so would Rusty. So,
0: <laughs> All right.
1: That's cool. I, I would have thought that was uh, written into the character. That's cool to know that, yeah, that's something that uh, something that he brought into it.
2: Yeah, just on the fly, like, yeah, I'm, I'm working all the time. I'm not able to eat, and I might as well make it part of the character. Yeah. And uh, I believe, oh, um, I have one more fact. Uh, During the scene uh, where the gang is watching the fountains at the end, Um, they're all just watching, and that uh, Claire de Lune is playing in the background. Um, To have that work right, they actually drained the fountain um, on one side, and then a rail uh, was constructed on the other side, so there would be room for each person to walk away without them walking into the street and getting hit by cars.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, but
1: That was an expensive shot.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right, Stephen, did you have any fun facts you wanted to add to the research corner?
1: I'll share it just because maybe I'm the only one who missed it because I missed it the first several times I saw the movie. Um, But maybe I'm the only one, but I didn't realize at the scene where um, Daniel meets with Russ when he's teaching uh, the stars how to play poker, that was actually their, their first heist together. Like, that whole thing about uh, Russ and am I, I think he's bluffing. He doesn't have anything. Like, I think there there's looks. They look at each other, and I think it's to suggest that they, you know, they had conned those people. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. As, like, their first heist, right, before they start kind of talking and recruiting. So, I don't know. That's something I, I picked up.
0: I actually never even – Maybe
1: more recently – so I don't know if that's something I just thought. I was like, oh, I just thought I'd share it to see
2: if. Uh, I'm going to have okay. to rewatch that scene now just because that blew my mind.
0: <laughs> now, like that scene, I, I never paid attention until I watched it tonight. But when Brad Pitt's at the bar and he's like frustrated, and he's just kind of sitting there with that glass, that highball glass near his uh, temple. I never noticed that George Clooney's walking right past him. Yeah,
1: you just see him. Yeah. I never
0: noticed that until today. And I've seen Uh, this movie probably. If I were to rank the top ten movies I've seen, the most Ocean's Eleven would be in that top ten. Yeah, never noticed that till today.
1: So yeah, watching it like maybe I'm wrong. Now, are you you
0: talking about the them actually like hustling a Clooney hustling, like the the actors or the match or the Incan head mask job? Is that what that's a reference to?
1: No, no, not that. so. While he's the, the fact that he, uh, th- they're hustling the the celebrities. are okay. Hustling the, yeah. So that, I think that's at what how what I at least maybe that's what I interpreted. I took that scene as especially because at the end they do it. You know, he he tells them he encourages them to call, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, but I think at the end of the scene when they kind of come out and then you see all, everyone crowd them, right? Yeah. Uh, They're out, the celebrities crowd. They just, they kind of put their coats on. They look at each other. And I think that look is to signify that, like, they they were both, they they con those people, right? So Yeah, that's kind of,
0: like, what I I got out of it, too, is, like, yeah, they kind of, like...
1: I never noticed it.
2: They are putting on,
0: like, they were putting on a grift to get money out of. I always found that scene to be funny because everybody's mobbing Tope for grace when he comes out of the room, but like around the the club, but like the two biggest movie stars in the entire world (laughs) walk out right before them and no one like fucking pays him any attention. I mean, granted, I know they're supposed to be characters. I just thought that was kind of funny. Right.
1: Yeah. No,
0: uh, um, is that, uh, you got any other fun facts?
1: Um, no, that's it, man.
0: Yeah. All right. Good deal. Good stuff guys. Um, this takes us to the, I drink your milkshake award for the best scene of the movie.
1: I drink your milkshake I drink it up
0: and uh Steven since you are a uh, an esteemed guest here on the show tonight we will let you lead off what uh what's your favorite scene of the movie
1: you know it's hard so this is hard to say because the, like especially in the last act there's these seams cut together mm-hmm. right so to me I think that final the 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 in the last act, as you kind of start piecing together that what's happened, right. And you realize that, Oh my gosh, like the audience was also treated as the mark, right. Because they're also, they're only given a little bit of information and then you, you get the rest. So as that's revealed to me, that's one of the, uh, just, my, just one of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. in that movie scenes and just movies. And it's one of the only times I, you know, I just, I remember the first time seeing that and just being blown away at, like almost like what the fuck just happened you know, Yeah. I was just what i was watching you know so yeah i would say that
0: okay adam what do you got man
2: so i gotta agree with steven just because like i know we we always like cheat and put a whole bunch of, of scenes together but that has to be a scene in and of itself is that whole and i really like that i also like the setup too so if you if we count the montage setup like that that is a really close second and I really can't decide between the setup and the payoff mm-hmm. because they're both equally good and just as an honorable mention I do like the uh, the the fountain scene at the end I, mm-hmm. I don't know why like they're all done they're all just staring at the fountain and then they yeah. walk off they're separate yeah. ways that's cool but I really can't decide between the setup and uh, the payoff I really can't.
0: Um. I know for me, like I had as my honorable mention, I had uh, the fountain sequence too, just because it was kind of cool seeing everybody like come together. Just a nice little touch at the end, and I also had the uh, the card scene with the. I called them the CW All Stars because they were all on like most of them were on (laughs) CW shows. But uh, I know for me, it's kind of where you guys are going too. But I think it's like when the SWAT team is walking out with the after like. Mm -hmm the SWAT team walks out with the money you find out the SWAT team is Brad Pitt and like yeah all them and then like they're just piecing back together like when they call 911 it's actually getting dialed back to livingston yeah and then yeah. you see everybody like it's not as effective now as it was the first time you seen it but it's still a fucking awesome scene
2: yeah it is
0: and like like steve was saying like that blew me away the first time I seen it I was like that's how they fucking did that
2: uh, that's cool yeah,
0: it was so cool watching that. So that would be mine. But yeah, okay, I'm with I'm, I'm with you though. Like it's hard to say whether it's, you know, the setup or the payoff.
2: The setup is equally good. I know you're a, a sucker for Montage. Oh dude, I really fucking
0: love one. <laughs> like I even like um the touch where uh when uh Lyman is uh mm-hmm. like I thought he was seriously like I thought he had a fucking heart attack when Saul's like in there, like watching his briefcase in the vault. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, is he really having a fucking heart attack? Cause he's like sweating profusely. And I'm like, shit, like things like I was led to believe for a minute, like this whole plan's going south.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah the reveal on that is when Brad picks the doctor, right? That's kind of, that's yeah. when you realize that that's part of the ruse, I guess, yeah.
0: You know, fun fact about that particular scene, the wig he's wearing is the oh. wig that Mike Myers wore to test for Austin Powers.
1: Oh, really? Oh, no. Shit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, um yeah, like I don't know, like that I'm I'll say we'll just do the whole the bank heist or the casino yeah. heist as a whole.
1: Since I'm with you guys, like
0: it's hard to choose like a particular sequence out of that,
1: right? Yeah, and there's there's a lot of dialogue in there that I love too. um, That you know, even if the scene itself isn't great, the dialogue like is just really memorable, or mm -hmm. it's just cool. Um, And you know, I think the way they wrote the um, just to really show how in sync Russ and uh, Rusty and Daniel are the Mm -hmm. way they communicate with each other in scenes to where it's even. I think there's this, I might be referencing the second one. Uh, But I think, I think it was a running kind of, I want to almost a gag in all of them to where Daniel would, you know, be speaking, communicating, and then he would kind of like, where he would cut him off because he already knows what he's going to say. And then, so that's the back and forth really quickly. Right. And
2: I just, I, I just really enjoy the we need one more. You think we need one more? Yeah. yeah, we'll yeah.
0: Do. <laughs> Which Stephen and I have said that to one another a time or two. <laughs> I believe we even said that uh, him and I were at a bachelor party a few weeks ago. And I think when you offered to buy me a drink, you said you think you need one more.
1: <laughs> <No> more. <laughs> all right, you need I, one uh, more. Yeah, I also like when they're naming the cons. You know, to to <laughs>
0: that it's took really, me down a rabbit hole. Once yeah. I had uh, internet access to find out exactly what all the that yeah. those meant, And I, I can't remember them to this day. Like, I know like Leon Spinks has to do with a boxing match. And Ella yeah. Fitzgerald has to be like, uh, it's based off a of Memorex commercial.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like recording. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what, like a Boosky or a Jim Brown, a Jim Brown and,
0: <laughs> and the biggest Jim Ella Fitzgerald Broke. ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm okay. Giving it to the whole high sequence. I, for me, like I judge this category based on like if and i've I know Adam we've talked about this many times, uh Steve, and I don't know if you're a a frequent listener to our show, or whether you've never heard an episode, but we always judge this like if this movie were on TV and you were to flip it on, at what point, like okay, like I'm not no matter what you've got going on, if you catch the scene on TV, like I've at least got to watch this scene.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I think
0: yeah, the bank the whole casino heist yeah. for me like okay, I can skip through the lead up to it but yeah, once their shit's going down like I'm not the channel's not yeah. moving.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely.
0: Yeah, so I'm good at giving it to the whole the whole sequence. Adam, I, that's a good call. Like just not being able to really pick one over the other. So fuck it, this is our show. We'll just put them both together.
1: Oh, okay. and it's- it, that, it's shot in a way that makes it hard to do that too, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of
2: parallel, yeah, things happening, right. So yeah, yeah. You don't know they're the SWAT members until like yeah. later in in the in the scene, and then it it's sort of revealed that they're the SWAT members, and mm-hmm. and now you're not going to watch the scene without thinking, oh wow, they're carrying 326 pounds of yeah. cash.
0: Yeah. Next <laughs> time I see that, like I'm going to just whoever's watching <laughs> that with me, like you know that's a lot of fucking weight they're carrying there. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, Brad Pitt is not Hulk Hogan. <laughs> All right, so we're giving it to the, the casino heist is the yeah. best scene of the movie.
1: I like yeah.
0: that, yeah. Okay. Uh, we do have a category here. It's the I Don't Like Sand, It's Coarse and Rough Award for the Worst or Most Unnecessary Scene in the Movie.
1: I don't like sand. It's coarse rough and irritating
2: and it gets everywhere.
0: I really couldn't think of one uh, for me, although I'm not a huge fan of the Malloy brothers, so like I would have been okay if they would have cut out the sequence where we get introduced to them.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: They're probably my there's least favorite characters in the movie. Yeah,
2: yeah. me too. Um, them and Tess. I don't really like Tess all that much. I know she's necessary for Dan- Danny Ocean's uh, motivations, but like, there's a whole bunch of scenes that are in there where she's She's just oblivious, and, and we get it. Like, you know, I don't need to see her blow Danny off again, you know? Like, I don't need to see that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I actually like Julia Roberts much better in 12 than I do 11. I think she's awesome yeah. in 12.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Um, But, yeah, I can't think of, like, a scene that I would – that's a bad sequence. I don't know. What do you think, Adam?
2: I think, like, yeah, if we saw less of certain characters, that wouldn't be – terrible for the movie but every scene that's in there is is good i think it's Mm. not it's not bad enough to cut out right but yeah there are there are characters that are more likable than others and if if we saw less of them it wouldn't be a bad thing
0: yeah uh i'd have been okay even cutting out where we meet livingston i'm not a fan of his character either yeah yeah um steven do you have anything that you would cut out of this movie or just find to be a touch unnecessary that you would get rid of?
1: Um, you know, I think there's, a, there's a few things in the story that I don't think make sense, but you know, that's, there's there. That's probably a lot of movies, right. That doesn't make sense. If I Well, were we do have that, a
0: category called unsolved mysteries of the movie. So if there's something that you think is a mystery that you don't get answered, you can bring it up when we come oh, to that category.
1: Okay. Yeah, that'd be perfect. I think for this one, you know, I think, I don't think there's any scene I can think of. I'd be like, no, I, the, it would have been much better if we cut that out. I think, given the the number of characters that you have to introduce in the story, and you have to introduce who they are and then what they bring to the team, I think that they do that in a way. Uh, quick, like you were mentioning, like you the scene introducing the brothers. Um, I, the fact, I agree. I think there are some like the brothers. I think that they could have, like, what they brought to the table could have been written differently so that they Mm -hmm. wouldn't have been necessary in the first place, but I think that the fact that they were in it, I'm glad that it was just, we didn't have to get bogged down with, like, a lot of backstory or a lot of detail. It's just quick scene, here's who they are, here's a quick overview of what these guys do, right? Mm -hmm. But but I agree with you, because I remember first time watching the movie, I was unclear of what they do. I still don't know
0: what they do. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like, like they just, there's just a couple of guys that do we odd stuff, whatever odd thing needs to be done. Right. I guess. Um, but you know, it's not clear. It's like, okay, obviously it looks like they're good at motors and that's what they try to establish in that scene where they're introduced, but I don't see them doing a whole lot of that. Well, I think that maybe I don't remember. I don't know.
0: What's Scott's name is Turk. I'm not mistaken. I think he's like a getaway driver. He's okay. like a wheel man. That's that's what yeah. I get from the whole uh, racetrack sequence. Yeah, I don't know what. what I think. But I don't know what uh, Casey Affleck's character does. I really don't. Yeah.
1: yeah so I, I agree. I would say that if anything, not. Uh, I don't know how necessary those two characters. I don't know how much they brought. You know, they brought to it. Um, yeah. It was two things. Like even the, uh, oh, shoot, I can't remember his name. Who's the, the, uh, technology specialist. Livingston. Yeah, Livingston. What's, what's the actor's name? I can't remember the actor's
0: name. Uh, Eddie something. Okay, well, I'll look yeah. it
1: up. You keep talking, I'll look it up. Uh, but yeah, I, um, even, I agree, I wasn't a big fan, but you know, I can see his character's necessary, right? Like what he brings is necessary, um. And so I, you know, they made him kind of like a weird neurotic. Maybe that was their way they made that character, so they didn't have to focus so much on him. Right? He's a weird guy who's a computer a computer whiz, and then that's enough for the audience to uh, to say, "Okay, now I can see how they're able to do these things."
0: Eddie Jemison was that? Is that actor's name? Oh. And this is the only set of movies I've ever seen him in. I've never seen him in anything else.
1: Um, and the, the other thing I would say is that there, I when I watched the movie I remember the first time watching the movie it was a little confusing because again it's the, there's a lot of character introduction a lot of cuts so it was unclear to me that they had actually recruited him mm-hmm. right because I him in the van and it's like oh maybe he works for an agency and then next thing you know he's being recruited so I'm like well I don't know who is this guy right mm-hmm. they like I remember being confused by that now once I know that and watch it again, I don't think about it. I go, Yeah, he's obviously he's just a freelance computer whiz. But mm. I don't think they did a really good job of explaining that initially. Right. At least maybe, maybe it just went over my head, but
0: Yeah, I think the Malloys and Livingston are like the two characters, like if it wasn't called Oceans Eleven, if it was like Oceans Eight, like okay, I'd be okay without out them yeah. too. All right. Uh, yeah. Like, I think we're all in agreement, though. There's like nothing you'd really cut out, but just like some of the stuff, like, you don't really need the introductions to a couple of these characters. Mm-hmm. It's sad, too, because like every other character in this movie, I really like. They all have something like I find to be like very amusing or charming, but just, except for those three, just they just don't do anything for me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, The King Kong ain't got shit on me award for the best line. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Steven, I will let you lead off because I am very <laughs> curious to see what your answer is for this one.
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, I would say one of the mo- the best line in this is the line, the, the speech that Daniel gives Russ. Oh, him,
2: yeah, yeah. You mm. know, to get
1: him on board. And I just think, I remember like, I remember even the first time I saw that movie, I was just like, Fuck, that's cool. You know, I just thought that was really cool. You know? You're talking
0: about the House Always Wins speech, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: You know, and I was like, even when I saw, gosh, I can't remember how old I was. I had no, I had no like, um, context to what that even meant, mm. but I just thought that sounded really freaking cool, you know. That's
0: yeah. that's my nominee too, is yeah. the House Always Wins speech, just because it's such a great metaphor for you could use that in any life scenario whatsoever. Yeah. And then I just yeah. love the fact that like Clooney gets like the audience bought into that. And then Brad Pitt just cuts the tension with a knife. He goes, <laughs> "You rehearsed that, didn't you?" Makes that little quip and just like breaks the tension. Such such great chemistry between the two. But that's my yeah. my nominee for the best line. I mean, you could also go with uh you think we need one more. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly. the one that I always Equate to this movie is you think we need one more, and then even the whole where they rattle off like the Ella Fitzgerald, the Mm Bosky, the Leon Spink stuff too. But I think it's the House always wins speech for me. Adam, what do you got, man?
2: That that's actually mine as well. That's my nominee. I actually did have a couple of different uh, honorable mentions. Oh, cool. Uh, Yeah,
0: please let's hear them.
2: uh, So I, I did have the, um, you think we need one more as an honorable mention, but I also really, really like Don Cheadle and his really bad British accent thing. Terrific. It'll be nice working pro- with proper villains again.
0: Oh yeah, dude. That's actually, what's funny about that is, uh, when I record the intros to this, I was actually thinking about using that to an, ex- like a play on that. Uh, yeah. Don Cheadle's, is is that a Cockney accent?
2: Yeah. It's his attempt to. At- I think. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it is fucking rough.
2: Yeah. It's you know,
1: what, what, what I wonder is, and I looked this up and I couldn't find it, but my thought was maybe it was like, he was, you know, doing his lines. It was really bad. And they're like, yeah, we'll fix it. We'll get some coaching, you know, to fix it. And if Soderbergh's like, you know what? Just fucking, I like it. Just keep it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, He's like, "Are you serious? You just want me to do it like this?" Because I can't think of any other reason. I can't imagine being on set and everyone just looking at each other when he's doing, saying his lines. Going, "Is anyone going to say fucking cut?" Because <laughs> this is this is an awful thing. It sounds so bad. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure like one of the producers like, and this motherfucker wants his name above yeah. the title, <laughs> and he's coming with that and, shit.
1: And then my my other my. What I also love is he got, he did, he played that character in two more movies. And he's just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to improve on this at all.
0: <laughs> well, I don't remember whether it's in 12 or 13, but you see him, like they make a subtle nod to how bad that is. It shows him like reading like dialect books on how to speak, like, I guess, get rid of your accent or something like that. They make a nod to it where oh, he's reading yeah, a book yeah. on how to improve his dialect. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I just don't remember whether it's in 12 or 13. I think I've seen 13 the least, so I yeah. think it's probably in that one.
1: Just yeah, I, I, I'm i assuming Soderbergh just maybe felt like it's not important. It's bad, but it's not important enough. It's not taking away from the story enough <laughs> to mm-hmm. do. And maybe he thought it was kind of it just brought uh, some charm and humor to the story, I, maybe. I don't know.
2: Oh, he sounds exactly like
1: Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins. It's yeah. <laughs> fun.
0: Oh, dude! You know, I never put that together. He does
1: to find something of like, "Well, hey, why did they? You do you know why didn't they try to fix this?" Uh, but I couldn't find. it. I mean, I've seen a lot of people acknowledging it's dog. It's really bad, mm-hmm. but that's it. It's there's no like, yeah, it's bad, but they here's why. You know. Uh, you know
0: what's funny about it is the fact that I read that Don Cheadle, they, to learn that dialect, like spent time in that area of England to learn how the, like the reflections in their accent and the voice and how to pull off that accent. So he did research. It's not like he just pulled it out of his hat. And like you said, he, he watched Mary pop. It's like, I'm just going to do that. (laughs) Like he tried to craft, he spent time in England learning how like that particular region of people talked and he still fucking couldn't get it right. Yeah. But still, I I like Basher in this movie, though, so I I, I can't hate on him too much. Yeah. Um, The McLovin Award, which we give to the Best Supporting Performance. I am McLovin. Now, this isn't, like, the award. Like, this isn't, like, Pitt and Clooney and Roberts. I think Matt Damon and uh, Andy Garcia, I think, are eliminated from this because they're in the movie too much.
2: I was going to ask beforehand because i had a couple and then i had some backups
0: <laughs> well i think we already established that julia roberts isn't winning this anyways right but i yeah i think Clooney, pitt damon and garcia for sure just because they're in it too much okay. and plus i i think it's an opportunity to like we we said we didn't like the malloys we didn't like livingston but there is a fucking shit ton of like awesome like minor characters in these like yeah that I think it just it, it gives us an opportunity to talk about them. So Adam, who's your nominee for the McLovin?
2: Uh so I'm going to choose uh Elliot Gould's character. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Only because only he can pull off an open probe in, in the middle of the summer uh in Vegas and uh not look bad at even though he's not a handsome character at all. Mm. Like his, his character is so charming and witty. Like he pulls you into the stories that he's telling about, you know, had uh, had foiled robbery. Like Mm. I I love that.
0: That also is a, uh, one of my honorable mentions for best scene is when he's going over the, the three most successful robberies in Vegas.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah and I, I just love that scene. I love his, uh, he, all the stuff that I've seen Elliot Golden, like he has that same kind of uh, timbre in his voice. He just has that, um, I don't know, is that a New York accent that he has? It sounds like it is, yeah. Yeah, it's just, every, every time he's speaking, I'm listening, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know what, it, I, just, I just like that, that storytelling that he gives to the movie. And I, I know it's a little part in the movie and he's just there to finance the heist, but th- that character is just so interesting to me.
0: Now, am I the only one who had to look up what remainder furniture was?
2: Oh, no, no. I, was
0: like, I, I had no idea what remainder furniture was.
1: Yeah. What is it? I don't
2: know. I I think
0: it's just like, it's leftover furniture that they don't use. Yeah. Huh. but like when he said that, like, what the fuck is that?
2: Yeah.
0: So I had, to, I had seriously asked people like, well, do you know what Remade furniture was? Like, it seriously like <laughs> fucking stumped me and like bothered me. Like I didn't know what could answer yeah. that for me. Um, awesome nominee. Steven, uh, who would you give, uh, the McLovin award to? I
1: would say the same. I love really the man. Rubens. Yeah. I, um, I love, I love the character of Ruben. Um, and one of my favorite scenes he's in, and I don't know, I think, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure why, I think it speaks kind of subtly about his character and like as the financer of this heist. But, you know, the scene where they all go into where they're meeting at Ruben's house and it's when the, the crew kind of first meets and mm-hmm. everyone goes in except Matt Damon. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and he just comes in and he pretends to do small talk just to say get in the goddamn house, right? And he's not; he's just so unapologetic about the fact that this. Hey, how are? You? It's nice out there, huh? In mm-hmm. the goddamn house, just so you know. you're Bobby
0: Caldwell, son, aren't you?
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, I just when I hear listen to that line, it just makes me laugh. So anyway, I I, yeah, I love his character. So he's probably one of my my favorite characters besides like the main casts.
0: Um, this one was tough for me. I do like Elliot Gould in this. Um, I, I'm actually giving it to Carl Reiner as Saul.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Just because he seems like he kind of gives off like that grandpa vibe to where like, anytime anyone opens up their mouth, it's just like, fuck, I got to answer this. I have to explain to you that you're completely wrong. Yeah. But then like, they kind of like, he's just so well respected in that, that circle. Plus, He's just as good as Lyman Zerga as he is Saul. He plays two roles in this. He's just as good in both of
1: them. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like I seriously thought he was fucking having a heart attack. It turns out he wasn't. He was just got real sweaty, which I don't know how anybody can do that. Just on cue. Yeah, just yeah. on cue. Just starts sweating profusely. <laughs> like I couldn't even begin to unless he he has like Under Armour thermal wear under like that suit. It's just like it was going to happen anyways. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I like Saul. Um, I do have an honorable mention uh, to Bernie Mac just because it made me, every time I see Bernie Mac and anything, it makes me really miss Bernie Mac.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Like, he's yeah, in one of my favorite, like, throwaway scenes in the whole movie is when he goes to buy the vans from oh, Billy from scene. Billy Tim Denham. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the fact that oh. he squeezes his hand to get his way, just, I thought was so fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah. And as he's, he's talking about like moisturizing his hands as he's doing I was like oh man Bernie I, I miss you so much dude. Yeah. But I think since I was outvoted 2 to 1 I think I'm okay giving the McLovin to Elliot Gould. Yeah. Like he, he's awesome too like you know like I said that's really hard to like dislike.
1: Is he still is he still with us? See he, he's still living right? I hadn't heard he died but
0: I think he's still around.
2: Is he? Yeah. yeah. I
0: yeah, I know Carl Reiner had passed away recently, but not mm-hmm. uh yeah. Elliot Gould, I think he's still with us too. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Elliot Gould, you are the McLovin Award winner. I think that's the first award Elliot Gould has won in years. So, congratulations. <laughs> um this category we haven't really been uh touching on much lately, although I think we have a couple potential nominees. It's the Eric Stoltz Award for the performer that you would recast. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually would like to have seen what would have, uh, what would have been the uh, result if the uh, Wilson brothers were the Malloys instead of Casey Affleck and Scott Con. Yeah, I would agree with that. I just, yeah,
1: I I feel like I could yeah, I would have easily yeah. swapped them out. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything anyone else in the cast off the
2: top of my head here that I would want to recast, but I feel like I could recast them pretty easily. I mentioned I didn't like Tess, but I wouldn't recast uh, Julia Roberts just because she was big at the time. And I mean, she was a draw for the movie, you know, I mean, even though the character isn't, isn't likable, I wouldn't recast her.
0: Yeah. And I think she's honestly one of the few actresses at that particular time that could have, you could have believed standing up, like going like scene for scene with Clooney. Yeah. I can't really see any – I couldn't really – after we were talking, like, as we were talking about, like, how she – is it awesome in this? Like, I was trying to think, well, who could you put into that role? And, like, I couldn't really think of anybody
2: Uh,
0: that would have been at that magnitude.
2: Right. And being able to uh, pull off – Uh, dating Andy Garcia's character, as powerful as he was, too. Like, you need somebody to opposite Andy Garcia in that sense, too. Oh, yeah.
0: Andy Garcia in this movie is going full fucking alpha. Like, he is, like... He even... He walks like Vince McMahon. (laughs) 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 He has a variation of the Vince McMahon strut, and I fucking love it.
2: Andy Garcia is one of my favorite characters in this movie. Like, he... like He is a very
0: good villain in this. I... I don't mind hating him for an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, he does.
1: And you have to, like, you have to, you know, it's probably you make a movie. How do you, like, write it in a way that, like, you root for the thieves? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they made his character in a way that makes it really easy for you to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, these people are stealing from you, but you want this guy to be stolen from, you know? Yeah,
0: it's like, I don't mind Terry Benedict getting robbed blind. I really didn't. Yeah. (laughs) um is there anybody else that you guys would recast in roles i mean i really couldn't think of anybody
1: i can't think of anybody but you know now that you say you know you mentioned bruce willis was um close to being daniel ocean i just can't imagine the chemistry like the chemistry that george clooney and brad pitt had i wouldn't i can't imagine that same chemistry with bruce willis and brad pitt yeah, and Bruce Willis and really, really anyone else like Bruce Willis, like the uh, the closeness of more seen, I think, in the later movies, the closeness of Ruben and Daniel's character. I guess, for example, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine that, like the chemistry he, they had with Ruben, I can't imagine that with uh, Bruce Willis.
0: Yeah, I could either. I mean, yeah. Bruce Willis kind of like puts off a different kind of cool, but not like the the kind of cool that would work in this. Yeah, right. I just, I'm glad that he wasn't able to do this. I guess apparently they went to him like to offer him something else too. And I guess he just couldn't. He said all the good stuff had been taken. Mm. So I must, uh, he must have been up for like Saul or uh, Frank or somebody. Yeah. Mm. Which, no, like, no, Bruce, you're good, man.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, if there's no one else, that you guys are recast. Uh, I'll hop on to the next uh, category, which we mentioned as earlier, Stephen, the unsolved mysteries of the movie.
2: Joint, Perhaps you may be able to help
0: solve a mystery. Is there yeah. any questions that go unanswered that you have been struggling to find answers for? We attempt to yeah. answer them for you.
1: Um, well, one, I don't know what a matrimonial headstone is.
0: Oh, dude! I never bothered them.
1: Yeah, i was assuming it's something made up for the movie, but I don't know. <laughs> it could be something real. I've just I, never heard
0: of it. I always pictured so. them being those big <laughs> Mayan mask. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. what I thought they were.
1: But that's um, interesting. I guess they're they're worth money. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I guess I think maybe that that uh, I, w- I was I was kind of more I was joking about that. Uh, the big, yeah. I guess one of the things I always think about like and again just uh I know you have to make decisions when you make movies and so I understand that but like I always thought it was weird the scene where um Bertie Mac's character is introduced and he makes eye contact with Daniel Ocean. And he is, hey sir and and then he doesn't and then he calls him Frank, which I guess is a name he his real name there he only goes by by thieves and And in that moment, that's when he realizes that, oh, he all of a sudden knows who Daniel, you know, who Danny Ocean is. But I always thought it was weird. It's like, well, he would have recognized him when he saw him. Like, he Mm -hmm. didn't have to wait for him to say, hi, Frank. Now, I know that you had to do that for the audience so that you can see that. I always just thought that was like, there's a better way to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I always thought that. That's one thing. I always thought that was weird. Um, Like, it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. other than Julia Roberts' character, like it doesn't. See, again, they don't go into a lot of her her history, but just like, okay, you're the art curator for like the largest casinos mm-hmm. in, like. But they they give no nod to like why she would have that role, other than she has to be there for mm-hmm. Daniel Ocean to want to rob this bank, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only reason she's there, right? So yeah. I always felt like, well, I just I felt like that's a little bit of a. That was just forced in the story, it feels like. Or maybe they just didn't explain it, right? So I was just like, what, like, it's always kind of a mystery to me because I don't know. It just seems like it's just uh, something the writers, a convenient thing the writers just wrote in versus yeah. something that makes why sense would, with the character.
2: Why would an art curator marry a, a thief? Yeah. Or, did she know he was a thief before at that job? Or?
0: Nah. No, she actually <laughs> calls him a liar and a thief, so he never told her. Okay, that he stole for go. a living.
2: There you go.
0: And I will answer your question, Stephen, with a little uh, something that we have used here on the show from time to time. Movie magic.
2: Uh. <laughs> it's just...
0: Just movie magic. That's all it is.
1: The story needs it. So. Yeah, just sprinkle happened, a little yeah. movie
0: magic in there. Yeah. Fuck, the, fuck all these ex- external circumstances. Like, we're, it's all about the heist. We yeah no one gives a shit what school julia roberts went to to become an art curator <laughs> movie magic yeah um adam do you have anything
2: yeah so uh one of the things that uh, bothered me um it was kind of like a plot hole uh where benedict is down in his destroyed vault after it's been blown up and the thieves are gone and he's talking Thieves are gone. (laughs) I don't know if (laughs) nobody can see me. Air quote. (laughs) Thieves are gone, and the SWAT team's talking to him, and of course the SWAT team are thieves. And uh, he he doesn't ask the SWAT team what the thieves look like. He doesn't ask the SWAT team how they escaped. Because the SWAT team was down there with them, supposedly, and they were having a shootout. And they're like, oh, well, they escaped with the money. Okay, where did they escape from? How did they escape? How did you let them escape? He doesn't ask any of those questions. He's just like, okay, I believe you because you're the SWAT team. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, that's what you're supposed to do, though, right? Take them at their word.
1: I guess. Yeah i I, I remember watching a, a video, a YouTube video, like where these professionals, like they watch movies about stuff to you know test the realism. And one of them was a, a security specialist. Watch, you know doing rating heist movies and then they did oceans 11 <laughs> one of their biggest ones was just like yeah there's no way there's like a thousand just so many things like yeah there's there's a hundred percent no way that daniel ocean would even be allowed near these casinos right uh-huh. he would have been arrested as soon as he saw one from us you know things like that <laughs> yeah
0: also movie magic uh, yeah
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, But, you know, I will say that there's no big – there's a few things, I will say, conveniences that the screenwriters took uh, to to make a really good story. But I don't think there's anything outside of just being completely unrealistic to plan anything to that level of accuracy. mm -hmm. You know, down to the exact timing of when Tess would be walking into a hallway – to or you know walking into a room to receive a message, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, outside of that, I don't think there's any any major glaring things that I feel like, oh yeah, that's a that's a huge just oversight in the story right here. I have one. How the hell
0: do the Malloy brothers manage to pull off so many different roles inside that casino and no one knows and that staff know who they are? Yeah. Yeah. They argue like they were the the balloon people. Yeah, they were the waiters. Yeah. They brought a the cart of Terry Benedict stuff into the vault. And I think they did something else, and no one notices it. Like, these guys were Mater I'm, D's like 20 minutes ago. Now they're like security yeah. guards.
2: <laughs> I, might be wrong. I, I might be wrong, but it, correct me if I am. Doesn't one of them wear a dumb, curly movie mustache to disguise himself at one point? Yeah, I think like, well,
0: they do. Like, when the balloons, like, they lose yeah. the balloons so they could send Livingston in to like, yeah. tap into their uh, security system. But outside <laughs> of that, though, like, the last, like, during the heist itself,
2: yeah.
0: they were maitre d's, or, like, waiters. Yeah. Yeah. And they even ditched their clothes inside the elevator.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they're wearing security outfits. And, like, nobody notices. Like, it's none the wiser about it.
2: Some waiters are yeah. walking around. I think it's somewhere. And I'm sure that that would have raised a
0: flag at some point.
1: Yeah. You know, the other thing too, is now like realistically, all those people now he knows that who, you know, took their money. They're all on camera. All of them. That's one of the things the security specialist said is, well, now that the money's gone, they're actually all on camera. Right. So now you know who to look for and you can watch them on your security. I know the movie, they found ways to do that, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of, things that realistically just complete impossibility uh-huh. before it's happened. But awesome, completely awesome uh story, you know, nonetheless.
0: But, you know, like, at the end of the day, I think it's what makes movies like like this so great is, like, the fact that, like, yeah. you don't really have to put much thought into it. And I think, going back to what I was saying earlier, like, they're, the formula itself for this movie is, like, This is paint by numbers heist movie stuff, but Mm -hmm. the fact that, like, you've got Clooney basically being Clooney, you got Pitt being Pitt, you got Soderbergh directing him, and everybody's just being, you know, like, doing their thing. It's just, I think it's what makes this movie so awesome.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And nothing is so out of uh, the realm of uh, disbelief that it draws you out of the movie either. Like, it's escapism at its finest. It's like, uh, okay, I don't need to know this is actually realistic or not i just like watching it and and yeah i
1: i was i think the story is so it's told so well that i don't even think about those things right mm. it's yeah just of those. <laughs> honestly russ the only reason i thought about it is because i'm like well i get yeah just coming up with some things like when you think about it it's like oh that's absolutely makes no sense but i think yeah it's told and it's done in such a way that you're like oh gosh but yeah there's no way that they would be able to dress the SWAT team, go
2: down through the thing, right? But it's just the, mm. the story's told so well, you know. Yeah, and and don't movies are that way on purpose. Like, you, you don't, like, if you're watching Star Wars, you're not going to try and test the believability of a giant, like, you know, bear creature and uh, his pirate, uh, you know, captain going around. Yeah. I have actually
0: done that, so don't oh, knock God. the hustle.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay first of all there's no
1: way time travel would work that way that's out yeah know, I always I yeah always, I everybody always like...
0: knows that you have to have a sports car that can go 88 miles an hour yeah. with a Flux capacitor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i become the expert on something i knew nothing about
0: like, well... <laughs> thanks to the movies that we that we know and love yeah um <laughs> the last category we got is the i'm the king of the world award for who wins the movie
1: I'm the king of the
0: Basically, it's like, when you think of this movie is, you know, who or what, like, makes this movie as good as it is. Yeah. So, Steve and I, will let you uh, lead off here. Who is uh, your award winner for, or who wins the I'm the King of the World Award?
1: You know, it, it's hard for this movie because I think this, like, heist movies, and I think this is one of the, I think, a key thing that's, in the storytelling, that's I think maybe the way S- Soderbergh decided to tell the story is that. I, I guess well, to get quickly, I, it's hard for me to choose one person, right? Because it's like they, it's I, obviously for the story to work. There, it's everyone, that, and that's like that with any movie. But I don't know. I feel like everyone got good screen time,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: So there's, I don't feel like anyone had a chance to outshine anyone in a in a significant way. Right. But if I had to say, here's the person when I think about who's like, whose movie is this? Like, I think to me, I think. Um, th- Brad Pitt, I just to me had the coolest scenes, he was in the coolest scenes to me. And if I'm going based on that, I would say Brad Pitt to me, mm. like that's why I come on. I think he's like the I would say looks the coolest in the movie comes out the winner i guess to me right but again it's not, i don't think it's so much like he is great in this and he's so much better than everyone else like that i would just it's hard to choose for this movie to mm-hmm. be honest so.
2: yeah
0: well, adam who do you have
2: well um i i agree with that wholeheartedly like everybody in this movie has excellent screen time and uh everybody plays a role um i think that that Brad Pitt is really cool in this movie. And I think that, uh, r- the character of rusty is, it's kind of like a character he's played in other, other films, but, uh, you know, he's, he's dialed back a little bit, uh, or dialed up from, from some of his other films. So like he, he plays that kind of character. I think that, uh, if I were to choose between him and Clooney, it would be Clooney, but only because, um, in the movies that Clooney plays in, uh, just off the top of my head, like, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Or, uh, Burn After Reading, which she was in that movie with Brad Pitt, um, uh, <clears throat> Batman and Robin. We don't, like, we don't, uh,
0: one. acknowledge that movie here on this show, Adam.
2: See, see, there you go. That's one of the things. It's like, those movies, like, are vastly different from one another, and he plays the character in one of them, and this movie, I think, plays to his strengths more than, it plays to Brad Pitt's strengths. And I think when you you think of ocean 11, he's Danny ocean. Um, and you know, again, everybody has their own screen time and their own, um, time to shine in this movie. And it doesn't go to one singular person, but I think, uh, it plays to George Clooney's strengths a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, I actually have Pitt and Clooney both just because the two of them together, like they're, like we've done uh, a couple of movies recently where we've talked about like great uh on screen movie duos like Adam and I did Toy Story a few weeks ago and we're like Buzz and Woody is an iconic screen duo mm-hmm. and then uh our critically panned midnight run episode which everybody hates um, <laughs> we talk about uh, De Niro and Grodin, how great they are together at least me and Lucas thought that uh and but like Pitt and Clooney are great together too. Like their chemistry is like f- just That's fucking off the charts. Like yeah. you could tell these two guys are like friends outside. Like when they're not making movies, these guys like legitimately seem like they're friends.
1: Yeah, yeah. like I would I would have assumed. Like I'd be surprised if I heard we're alive. They don't really talk that much. Like yeah, I know. You. <laughs>
0: but they both yeah. they both are just like they're so good without putting any kind of effort into it at all. I mean, they're, they're seriously, like, it's just like, like Adam, you said that like, this is Clooney, this and out of sight. I think when I think of George Clooney, like the person, like those are the two roles I identify with Clooney the most. Like, I mean, he's won an Oscar for Syriana. He's done some other stuff, but like George Clooney being George Clooney, it's this and out of sight. And Mm -hmm. I think if I were to give this, I'd probably give it to Clooney just a little bit more because the story kind of revolves around Danny more. But then they end up paying that back because Ocean's 12 revolves more around Rusty than it does Danny. Danny's a secondary character in that movie. Yeah. So I'd probably give it a maybe the slight edge to Clooney just because it's, it's, it is his movie. But you guys both bring up great points. I mean, I think I mean, we'll just you, give it to both of them.
2: If you give it to yeah. both of them, It's your podcast, your rules. We'll give it
1: to both. I would choose, like, I would say, like, I would add more to that, right? Because when you think about, like, if I were to answer that question for a different movie, I would say, like, I don't know, this is probably, like, a really bad example, but. Like, when I think about Boogie Nights, right? I feel like when I, like, Burt Reynolds, to me, is, like, a character that, like, man, if they, like, he is so, like, his role in that um is so important, I feel like, in that movie. That Bert I mean Burt Reynolds performance in that. And um I think him singularly would have a bigger impact if he wasn't in that. Whereas I think the the um the storytelling with Oceans Eleven is dependent on so many characters. Um mm-hmm. that it's almost like you would almost have to say uh three or four people could could fit that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I'd say add more. I know we're doing two. You could probably, there's probably room for more if you
0: well, wanted to, so. Well, two, it's yeah. like, when we were talking about like, Bruce Willis was originally cast as Danny Ocean. Just imagine how, uh, different this movie is with him as Danny Ocean instead of George Clooney.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, I just, I don't think, you don't, I don't think you get like, the, the, the vibe with him and Pitt, I don't think comes off nearly
1: as well. Right. No, yeah, I agree, man. I, I, yeah, no, totally. I can't even picture. I don't even like thinking about it. It makes me feel weird. It's the same feeling I get every time I hear that John Travolta auditioned for Forrest Gump. I don't know like if he was in the running to get it, but I was just like, God, I can't even picture that. Like I can't even, I can't even, like, in my head picture, mm, <laughs> picture
0: that. Right. Yeah, there were a few actors that were up for Forrest Gump, too. Uh, also, you can listen to our Forrest Gump episode on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Thank you, Steven, so much, man. I'm just going to bring you on. Dude, I'm just tossing just, them up, man. Just to, yeah. yeah, it's like you're fucking – you're Magic Johnson, and I'm just Kareem just fucking dunking. Yeah, um, but yeah I, I just think without Clooney, like, this is a movie star role. You don't have to be, like – you don't have to be Daniel Day Lewis or you know like yeah. an esteemed actor, this is just a movie star being a movie star,
1: yep, and It'd be cool, yeah, just being um, yeah. yeah,
0: all right, well, we're just gonna give it to both of them just because yeah. fuck it's our show. we'll okay. do whatever we want I like that um do either one of you gentlemen have anything you would like to add before we wrap this up?
1: um, I'll say that. Well, the you know you, Russ, we talked about that's this is a movie we quote a lot, and I mentioned earlier how just the impact it had on me, and I just want to share that this is a a movie I would say one of my favorites because there's just so it's a good movie where like if I'm feeling um, I've used it in the past when I've been feeling scared or anything like that about something I have to do, this is something I think about to like psych myself up. In fact, when I really? first became a, a when I first became a project manager, and this was probably like around 2012.
0: Were you going to ask me to rob it. the place with you?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, well, if you guys if if you guys are free, yeah, I can use some help. I gotta hit up a Goodwill um, see
0: if they've got those yeah. flashy shirts in a size LAR or XL. Yeah, <laughs>
1: but I remember like being a project manager. I was really scared of like now having being in charge of like coming up with these plans and making sure you get the right people in to do it. And one of the things that I would do to, I guess, psych myself up in these moments of fear when I like have a lot of eyes on me is I would pretend I'm Daniel ocean putting together a heist. Really? And I'm like, Oh, Danny ocean wouldn't be freaking out about it. He would freaking, okay, think about what you need done. Who do you know that does that? Right. And, uh-huh. you know, and I remember like thinking through that really helped, uh, change this fear i had about this new role into something that oh, i'm just i'm just like planning a heist it's just like planning a heist and it made it uh made that uh, i guess made that job easier for me over time yeah, that's, a that's a fucking that's a cool
0: way. story dude
1: yeah
0: yeah <laughs> yeah we see like lucas isn't on the show we get like people bringing real shit on this
1: yeah no it's funny <laughs> i think that's uh that's Even now, I mean still in my if I'm faced with like, oh, this is a really big undertaking, uh honest that's thinking about it as putting myself in, Hey, I'm just Daniel Ocean and this is just our next heist and you'll figure it out. That like kinda gets me gets me pumped to to get going on it.
0: Dude, that's really fucking cool, man. Yeah. (laughs) Um Adam, can you top that? (laughs) No. Top
2: that I just wanna say that this is uh this is one of those movies that uh that when you think about a Hollywood movie, like just you know a fun uh, uh, star-studded movie, like this is one of those those movies that I think of immediately off the bat, and not just because of the the cast that's in it, but just the story overall. Right. It's just that that cool Hollywood, uh, you know, the 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 costumes, the acting, the the setting, you know it all comes together in that cool hollywood you know that that stereotypical kind of thought you know that when when somebody mentions a movie that's that's like that and i i just love the fact that every time i watch this movie it just makes me want to watch more movies like it mm-hmm. and um which they don't even make
0: don't, anymore unless it's a superhero movie
2: right yeah like you don't, you don't get to see this kind of movie a lot anymore and you don't get to see a, a star studded cast unless it is a superhero movie because they cast so-and-so as a superhero, you know, mm. so, I think that, uh, this movie is just one of those, uh, you know, few that, that you can, you can name off of just, you know, a short list of movies. It's like, this is what I think of when I think of Hollywood, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, good stuff, guys. Uh Steven, thank you so much for uh, hopping on here, man. When uh I uh when I made up my initial list of movies we were gonna do on this show, this movie was on there and I said I had to get you on here to do this. So uh, thank you so much for coming on and doing oh, this, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. And Adam, I didn't know you loved this movie as much as we did, man. That's really really cool. It's,
2: it's, it is. It really is.
0: Yeah, see, we don't need fucking Lucas. <laughs> he needs to watch this movie though he does yeah, well I trust me I'm gonna, it, you're going to hear about it a lot on our social media So, <laughs> alright well it's been awesome guys thanks so much and that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast thanks once again to producer Adam and Steven for coming on and talking about one of our all time favorites Oceans 11 that was a fun episode and coming up next Tuesday I think we're doing the Matrix which is just in time for the new Matrix movie that's coming out right around Christmas, which you can watch in theaters, which that looks like a, the- uh, a movie theater movie, not going to lie. Or you can watch it on HBO Max. So uh, Once again, uh, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. And if you dig what we're doing, please leave us a five-star review. And if you don't, once again, just forget you even listened to us. So until next Tuesday, we will talk at you guys later.